What's up, everybody? How you doing? How's your week going? Made it to the end of the week. Some of you guys are listening to me on the weekend. If you're not listening to me on backstage, but if you are listening to me on backstage, happy Friday. Any other time you listen to me, happy whatever day it is to you. Thank you guys for checking in with us. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, I know I had said that I was going to wait for 20 games to really kind of break down who I thought should be worried in the NBA. So we done reached that mark. So we're going to chit chat about that a little bit. And then at the half, we're going to talk about Brett Favre. He kind of made some hypocritical statements, but you know, we're going to get into that as well. And then in the hurry up offense, we're going to break down some moments in sports this week. I'm going to give some flowers to some people and we're going to investigate if I need to investigate a situation with Jussie Smullett. So we're definitely going to get into that. It's going to be a fun show, you guys. So thanks for checking in and let's get it started right here on At The Half. All right. All right, guys. Again, if you don't know who I am, should you hear? Welcome. <laughs> I'm Jackie Ray. Thanks for checking in with me on At The Half right here on Backstage. Um, yeah, so let's just get right into it, guys. I know we, you might have had a long week like I did, so let's just get into it. Um, like I said, we we are right around, most teams have played, I think there's, yeah, most teams have played 20 games or more by now. My prediction was a little off. I thought that the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and the Grizzlies were going to round out the top four. I was pretty confident in that. And I'm a little wrong because I've been calling Luca the baby goat. So, you know, I just figured he would automatically make it to the top four. Uh, wrong. I'm all the way wrong with that. They down there at the number six spot. The Jazz got the number one spot right now. So it, I'm a little off. I'm not crazy off, but I'm a little off. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting how this all kind of shapes out because, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to that can happen in a very short amount of time. Um but I think we've actually learned. I think the NBA has stepped up and taught us a lesson that I'm sure our mothers, fathers, whoever <laughs> tried to teach us. But let us just really kind of recap this. Keep toxic people out of your life. If they're in your life now, kick them out of your life. This is the lesson that the NBA has taught us with this whole James Harden situation. I definitely, if you guys have listened to this show anytime before, I was not a fan. I'm a huge James Harden fan not a fan of how he handled that situation. And for those of you guys who know me personally, I am um, <laughs> an F you I'm out type person. <laughs> like I don't mess around. I'm more of like a Deshaun Watson. Like, all right, I said what I said. I ain't got nothing else to say type person. And I, I'll just dip. So I'm not mad at James Harden had Harden for wanting to get out. If you wasn't happy there, you wasn't happy there. Get out. Be happy. You got one life to live. I'm not, I'm not tripping on that. Do you, but at the same time, I don't think you do things. I think my biggest gripe was him talking about the talent within the team and things of that nature, because we have learned off top that that is not true. Since the James Harden trade, the Rockets have, they found their groove. They're seven and three without him. They have the best defense in the league. Let that sink in. The best defense in the league. At the recording of this show, they, they had won six in a row already. So yeah, let's, let's, let's understand that when you get a toxic person out of your life, you can, they, I think those, that losing streak that they had where they lost a couple of games right off top, right after James Harden, everyone was like, oh yeah, that's what we expect. But then they were like, that's not what we expect. They started gelling they built up that chemistry. And then now they got to be who they are. Conversely though, the Nets have the worst defense in the league. And that's, that's not surprising to me because it's not like when we're talking about 
Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, I don't, I don't think any of us have ever really talked about their their defense, not significantly at all. We've always talked about their scoring prowess and things of that nature, so we haven't talked about their defense. So I don't think that we're surprised that they're, they have the worst defense. They are second place in the East right now, but here's the thing, guys. If anybody can stop you offensively, they can pretty much run amok on you guys. So I think the Nets... It, since we're talking about teams that I think need to be worried, I think the Nets do. I, I understand that they're in the sec- second place. They did beat the Clippers. Um, I think that's more towards their offense. Their offense, if you don't defend them properly, can run amok. But they're not playing no defense out here. If you get your offensive game together, you're probably going to end up in an overtime with them, and it's just going to be this back and forth. I hate those games, by the way, where it's just nobody's playing any defense and everybody's just kind of running around. So. The Nets lost to the worst team in the league, and that's the Washington Wizards. I don't know if you guys saw that game, but it was literally um, Bradley Beal hit a three, or and Russell Westbrook hit a three, and it wasn't because, I mean, it looked amazing. If you watched the game, it looked amazing. But it wasn't because it was amazing. It was because they were literally not playing any defense. The Nets also lost to the Cavs twice. Twice they lost to them, once in overtime, once by 12 points. That says a lot to me. Yes, you beat the Clippers. I'm giving you all that because I know how we all feel about the Clippers. But I think the Nets, even though they're in second place, they're a team that needs to be worried because if they can't get their defense together on a seven-game series, that's going to be a problem. You need to play some defense on a seven-game series. So I'm just not – I'm not team Nets right now. I think that they they have not proven to be this powerhouse. Yes, they're this offensive powerhouse, but I don't think it's going to result in anything – so ultimately, I think the Rockets definitely won in this because they are moving as one now. They're they're doing you know what they have to do out there. They're currently um, in eighth place, I believe. Um, now you got to remember that the teams from seven to ten will have to play uh, a play in to get to the playoffs. But if they keep moving this way, I can see them getting that number six spot. So it'll be totally fine with them. And I think it would be such sweet revenge. <laughs> If they end up going further in the playoffs than the Nets do, that would be like a ha-ha thing. And it's not personal to the Nets, but it's going to be very personal against James Harden. And I would love to see them them do that. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen, but it would be because they're not going they're not going to go that far because, you know, they ain't going to get past the Lakers. But, you know, still, it would be cool to see them get, you know, a little further than the Nets. Um, but I'm telling you, if you can find a way to slow the Nets down, you can defensively you you have a shot with them. I'm not saying that the Nets lost in this trade because obviously they didn't. I think we all can agree that they are an offensive powerhouse and that's a beautiful thing. But let's talk about the revenue that that has to be coming through for them as well because since James Harden James Harden has been with the Nets, their viewership has gone up 69%. I need somebody to break that down for me financially because if you have a 69 Okay, let's just think about this on YouTube terms, right? So, or even whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. If I go from whatever number I'm at last week and this week I have a 69% increase, I can tell you right now that's an increase of revenue for me. So, and and that's on a very small scale because obviously I'm not getting the the viewership or the listenership that, you know, the Nets are getting. So that is that's huge. That's crazy to me. That that's that's crazy to me because 69% spike. I, I don't even know. But pretty much everyone who is not in the top six right now, again, remember we're only playing 72 games. I think everyone needs to worry a little bit 
Um, but nobody more than the Washington Wizards because they are losing on all fronts. Like I said, the Nets have a 69% spike in viewership. The Washington Wizards don't even have a nationally televised game. So you're not seeing them. Nobody's watching them. It's not even possible for them to get a nationally televised game right now. Bradley Beal is averaging 35 points per game. 35 and one steal. You guys know if you follow me on the fumble Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, you know that steals to me are so hard to get. They're so crucial. They can help change the momentum, especially give you a fast break or something like that. And we don't see them that often. Steals are hard to get. Bradley Beal is averaging one steal per game, 35 points per game. Russell Westbrook is averaging 20 points a game, almost 10 rebounds and almost 10 assists. And somehow they've only managed to rack up four wins. Make this make sense. Make this make sense. Bradley Bill has made it known beyond a shadow of a doubt he does not want to be traded. He wants to win in Washington. Um, how, Sway? I, I, I <laughs> there was a game. Oh, I can't, I can't remember who they were playing, but Bradley Bill scored 60 points. Russell scored 20. They still lost. The number of games that this man has scored over 40 points and they have lost is asinine. It makes no sense to me. It's completely frustrating. We've seen him on the sideline looking all sad and dejected. And um, earlier this week, he said he he feels like he's getting nitpicked on because he doesn't want to be traded. He, meanwhile, we kind of drag people like James Harden, like a Kevin Durant, even a Kawhi when he faked that injury um, when he was with the Spurs. We, we do kind of parade them a little bit because they're just kind of doing their teams dirty and they want to bounce. Even Anthony Davis kind of did that to the Pelicans. So he's right in that aspect and he doesn't think he should, he deserves the same kind of, I don't know, conversations because he wants to stay. I think what it is, is we all recognize that the talent that he has, he's kind of in a James Harden situation. The talent you have is not going to matter. It's not going to result in a championship. It's not even going to result in a playoff run. It's not going to result in you getting MVP. It's not going to result in you getting the recognition that you deserve. This is all a trickle down effect. It's a like triple whammy for you. There's no way somebody like Bradley Bill should not be getting the accolades that he deserves. And one of the reasons he's not is because he's on a trash team. It sucks, but he's on a trash team. Um, I know this trade deadline is coming up. I think everyone except Russ and Bradley Beal should be on the trading block. Every single one of y'all. And I I don't know, I don't know who y'all gonna get because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who you have that has maybe Rui, because he was a first round draft pick. I think he went ninth in the draft, so maybe he can go. Um, but then again, maybe you want to keep him because he is young. So maybe he's not vital to your organization right this second. This is his first year, so maybe you don't, maybe you don't you you kind of hang on to him. They have another rookie, Ricky Dennis. Um his last name escapes me right right now, but maybe you hang on to the, I don't know. I, look, I'm gonna go back to what I said. Everybody can go. Everybody, you, need, you need to take a page from the Lakers <laughs> when we sent everybody, but Kyle Kuzma damn near like y'all gotta go. So I don't know. I think that's our best, their best plan over there is to do that because anything else, they're just, it's just not going to happen. And so I feel bad for them, but they don't need to worry about the playoffs, obviously, because you've only mustered up four wins at this point. But you do need to worry about the tail end of your season. If you end the season anywhere remotely close to how you started, and if you maintain this losing, then then nah, Bradley. I'm, I'm not trying to hear nothing about you want to win there. You can't. 
There's some doors that will not open for you. You know, when God closes one door, he opens another. Look around, Bradley. See what other doors is open, my guy. If you guys continue this losing streak with you having Russell Westbrook on your team, you going out here scoring, you averaging 35 points a game. Unless, now I will say this, if they go on a win streak, if they muster, I don't know, any kind of win streak, it's going to have to be more than, I don't, they're not going to win 20 games in a row. But if they can get like a good win streak going and, and they look solid and now we're starting to see some potential, we're starting to see growth in these young guys like a Rui, and now all of a sudden y'all got a decent squad. All right, Bradley, I'm going to stand beside you in this whole I don't want to be traded thing. But if all of a sudden somebody don't gain some sort of Warner Brothers or Marvel superpowers, if you all of a sudden ain't got Thor and Iron Man on your team to add to you and, uh, you know, the, the Black Panther out there, y'all need to stop. Both of y'all need to go. I mean, Russ probably doesn't care because he's, you know, older in the game or whatever, but he still wants a ring too. So I don't know what they're going to do over in Washington. First and foremost, I think y'all just need to trade everybody, give everybody your draft picks, give everybody the whole squad get a squad over there that you at least have the potential. But if you can't do that, then you need to bounce. I'm sorry, Bradley, you need to go. I said what I said, <laughs> but when we come back, you guys, we are going to talk about, and this is going to kind of, I'm going to be very lenient. Y'all know I'm not the most lenient person to people when they say stuff that I don't like, but I'm going to be very lenient because this is my favorite quarterback, like of all time. We're going to talk about what Brett Favre said, said after the break. So stay with me. We'll be right back. How much more do you want from me? More. How much more successful do you want me to be? More successful. How many records can my records break? More records. But, but I'm the best. But are you a different animal and the same beast? What the f does that mean, Kobe Bryant? You're welcome. What the f is he talking about? All right, you guys, welcome back to At The Half. I don't know if I told you in the first segment, but if you're not following me on social media, do me a favor and head on over to Instagram and Twitter and follow me at JRayTheFanatic. You can also follow me at JRayTheFanatic on TikTok, but I'm not doing I'm not doing TikTok really like that. Every once in a while, a good challenge comes out and I'll do a challenge. I did a Buss It challenge. It wasn't as raunchy as I, what y'all have been seeing, but Y'all know I love me some King James. So I had to incorporate LeBron James into my busted challenge. So you can go over to TikTok, follow me over there. Maybe if I get enough followers, I'll start doing some more challenges. I don't know. It's not really my thing, y'all. It's not really my thing. But let's get into this next one, guys. Um, I really like Brett Favre. He's said some things that I've disagreed with in the past, but he's he's my quarterback, you guys. I can't even I can't even lie. He's a gunslinger. He's the guy that go out when he was playing in his prime. He would go out and throw four. <laughs> Four interceptions, still come back and beat you. And I just loved that about him. He just didn't have that. His his short-term memory was amazing. He'd go out there, throw them interceptions, didn't care. He was still going to come back, throw a long bomb, another interception, didn't care. I love that about him. He was just fearless on the field. Um, and I, I think he's a, he's a, he's a good-spirited guy. I know he texts his genitals to a young lady and, and whatever, but, you know, this old and creepy. I, you know, it is what it is. I don't really care about that. But he also last year said that he didn't think that Colin Kaepernick was that far removed physically from being able to play a good game. And he was like, yeah, you know, he thinks he should get a shot. 
he's probably one of the very, very few people that said something like that. And y'all know I ride for me some Colin Kaepernick. So when he said that, I was like, yes, Brett Favre is my guy. I don't care what you guys say. But, and, you know, people have been giving him some flack about this next comment that he made. But I don't think I'm going to be one of those because I kind of get what he's saying. And he wasn't being inflammatory in any way. He was just stating his opinion. And whether you agree with it or not, I, you know, you, you got to give the man his due. People do things different. We're, we're not all going to do things the same way. I'm damn, damn sure one of them people. I rarely do things that everybody say, oh, you should have done it this way. That's not even the Jackie way. There is a thing called the Jackie way, and it's a real thing. So, you know, he was on, I believe it was TMZ or one of those sports shows, or, or maybe just TMZ just grabbed a clip of it. That's where I saw it, though. And they were asking him about, you know, this Deshaun Watson thing. Now, to be fair... This, this, we don't really see what we're seeing with Deshaun Watson too, too much in the NFL. In the NBA, it's a thing like what we saw with James Harden, like I said, Kawhi, um, AD. It, it happens more in the NBA, I think, where, where players kind of flex their muscles a little bit more. We've seen guys in the NFL hold out, but we've also seen guys a la Le'Veon Bell that do that, and it's a detriment to their career. So I think that's one of the reasons why we don't see it as much. But I feel Deshaun Watson, and I feel him doing it now while he his stock is high. He's at the prime of his career, things of that nature. So they're asking Brett Favre, you know, what do you think about what Deshaun Watson's doing? And he said, and I'm going to quote, I'm not even going to paraphrase. He said, quote, I'm kind of old school. You get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. I think it's a different day and time, and I'll it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Now, you know, a lot of people kind of came from like, what you mean? You just, cause it's, it, it's kind of that shut up and dribble thing. Um, but that shut up and dribble thing was on a, on a malicious intent. This was kind of saying, you know, no, Deshaun Watson just got this amazing contract and boy, if you don't go out there and play, you know, so I didn't, I didn't take offense to it. You know, Brett, Brett Favre is older, but he's hypocritical in this comment. And that's the only thing I'm going to say. I, I get his opinion, but that's not what he did. So sometimes you got to ask yourself, what would I, not only what would I do, what have I done? And Brett Favre, at the end of his career, he wanted out of Green Bay. Green Bay was like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so because it was the end of his career, he decided to, and somebody gave him some advice. I'm sure it was his agent or something like that said, bruh, why don't you just retire? So he did. He retired, which ended up forcing the hands of Green Bay. And Green Bay was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll just because he came back, he was like, I want to play. I changed my mind. But, he, you know, they had already kind of moved on. So they were like, well, fine, we're just going to trade you. So they traded him. He went to New the New York Jets. And to be honest, I can't remember anything about that time when he was with the Jets. So it was really, <laughs> it had to be a really tragic season. It was just one season. I remember that. It was one season with the Jets. And then he ended up with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I think he did two years with Minnesota. And this is one of those, Brett Favre is always my example of what not to do with your career. Don't keep playing to the point, like when you retired, you was cool. You was, you was Brett Favre. You was Green Bay. You were Brett Favre. Everybody remembered you as that gunslinger who could get it done no matter what. By the time he retired from the Vikings, it was like, oh, bro, you was in here way too long. This is like leaving a stake in the, in, on there for too long. It's all tough now. <laughs> now it's like how his career was. So I'm not really, I don't, I don't feel him on this because I feel like he's forgotten 
No, Deshaun Watson can't do that because it's too early for him to retire. That would be weird for him to retire. He got this huge, gigantic contract. So, no, that wouldn't make sense for him. But, Brett, you, you're lying. You would do exactly the same thing if you could. But um, I, I do think he's right in seeing how this is going to play out because Deshaun Watson is not talking to anybody. I think how he's handling it is cool though, because he's not doing one of those things where he's saying a little shady things on social media, or he's taking a jab here, or he's doing an interview and he's saying, you know, detrimental things or things, you know, not becoming of him, or he's talking bad. He's not bad mouthing anybody. He's just saying, I'm done. Not going to be a Houston Texan anymore. I'm done. I'm out. We've heard rumors that he might end up in LA. We've heard rumors that he'd end up everywhere, but I think it's interesting because the Texans seem dead set to not give an inch, which is interesting to me because you had this moment in time where you could have solved this. You realized his interest was waning and that he was like, y'all ain't doing nothing right around here. You literally traded away my best um, offensive weapon. Everything in here is in disarray. And so I think they did the right thing in saying, hey, we need to pull him back in. How can we pull him in? So they go to him and they say, hey, what do you want? He says, I want to say on, you know, the hiring process of the GM and the head coach. They were like, you know what? You got it. Who do you want us to interview? He says, Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. They're like, cool, we got you. They get deep off into the hiring process with somebody else before they even interview Eric and they kind of give this fake excuse of, oh, it's because of the Super Bowl. You're lying. He, there was, they had a, the Chiefs had a bye week. You could have had an in-person interview with him when Deshaun kind of put his foot down and was like, okay, screw you guys. I'm going home. Then they were like, all right, let's, let's call up Eric and do a virtual interview. That, at that point, they were just placating him. So it's just the whole thing is, is just asinine to me because you had a moment in time to fix it. You had a moment in time to fix the relationship and you chose not to. And then in his press conference, um, the GM, Nick's, uh, Nick Casario, he says that they have zero interest. This was last Friday. He said they have zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson. And then the next thing you know, um, everything comes out and it's always sources saying, but I'm sure this is true. Um, he has zero interest because his ma- his agent has been very good when there's a rumor that's out um, that that like the rumor that I saw was that Deshaun Watson has no intentions of um, dressing or participating in OTAs. His agent came out and was like, that is absolutely false. Do not say that. That's not, he's not said anything like that. Then the rumor came out and said, Oh, he's planning to sit out a year. You ain't heard nothing from his agent. So his agent's really good about, you know, nipping those rumors in the bud when they're false. So that lends me to believe that this, Oh, I'm going to sit out for a year, if need be, is a valid, it's a valid rumor. And it's not a rumor. It's probably a factual statement. Um, a lot of people that I've, I've talked to that kind of, I'm not the big, you know, what can you get? What's the value? But, um, a lot of people that I've talked to who kind of deal in that realm, they say that, uh, the Texans would at minimum demand, um, two first round draft picks, two second round draft picks and two young defensive starters, to even begin the conversation about Deshaun Watson. And that sounds fair to me. It, sa- it does sound like a lot, but it does sound fair to me when you consider who Deshaun Watson is. I also found it interesting who some of the teams that people are floating around there. 
Um, we know that it was the Cleveland Browns. I, that's the last place that I would like Deshaun Watson to go. Not because I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I do love Baker's enthusiasm about that franchise. I do like that he really embraces the land and he wants to be there. Um, I'm not sold on him quite yet. He definitely had a better season this year, but I'm not quite sold on him just yet. Um, but it's only his, um, what, shot junior year. So he might be fine next year. He definitely did an improvement this year, um, but that was without Odell Beckham. And that's just weird to me. You couldn't make this work with Odell. And then all of a sudden you have, you're down an offensive weapon. I don't know. So I'm not really sold on him. I do think that with Odell and Jarvis Landry there, that it would be a dope setup, but Cleveland is purgatory. I just can't, I can't, I couldn't wish that on my boy, but I have said for a long time that I think it's time for the Raiders to really move on from Derek Carr. Um, seems like the word on the street is they want, they might want to do that as well because the Raiders are now in this conversation, but Gruden's over there. So that's a no for me. Um, the Jets, they have never, I've never known the Jets to be close to doing anything. So that's a no for me. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people say, oh, Denver, 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 Denver. Y'all know I'm from Denver. So let me just take a minute. I have met John Elway on more than one occasion. If you think that man is going to hire a black quarterback, you don't know John Elway. <laughs> so I'm not even going to, I'm not going to go any deeper into that, but that's not a thing. That is not going to happen. Um, and John Elway is just a detriment to that franchise, just on a whole bunch of different levels. I do think that the mile high would welcome him. I think he would be embraced by um, not only the Denver Broncos, but Bronco country would, would love him. It would be a good look. We'd have to see how he does, you know, in that mile high, that weather out there and that, that air is thin out there. So that might be a thing. I wouldn't be mad if that happened, but I just don't, I don't see John Elway making that happen. Um, but here's the thing. The one place the, that I haven't heard in the conversation, which I find really interesting is the Colts. Because we know Philip Rivers just retired. We know that they have a need. Um, I don't know why they're not in the conversation. I don't, I, again, I don't really deal in ho who's got what money and the, and the salary cap and all of that. So maybe there's a reason. But I think he would be great over there with that receiving core. And maybe they can get, because they were close. They were so close to making something happen with Philip Rivers. I'm not even blaming that on Philip Rivers. I'm just saying they were so close to getting it done. You get this younger version of greatness in there in Deshaun Watson. I think that's a good look. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I want to see Deshaun Watson. I'm who that nation. I know y'all been saying you, I seen the memes, but no. Okay. I am a Jameis fan. I am not a Taysom Hill fan. It's not that I don't like Taysom. I think Taysom is great. I cannot see him as anything other than a tight end. I am not there yet. He's not <laughs> proven to me that I need to see him differently. So I'm just not there yet. But I am a Jameis fan because we know how that helped Teddy Bridgewater being in that organization. And no, don't want to see him in Carolina either because I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fan. So I don't know where Deshaun is going to end up. But I want him to end up someplace where he's happy, where he feels like they are building around him. Because aside from whatever he felt about upper management. The fact of the matter is the Texans proved to him that they had no desire to build around him. And that is when that foundation got shaky and that is when they lost him. And then everything kind of rolled downhill from there. But the moment they proved to him that they didn't give a damn about putting him into a position to succeed, they lost that man. And they do not deserve to get him back. In my opinion, Deshaun. 
sit out this year. Do what, do you, baby. Do you. I am not mad at you. Don't listen to the naysayers. Figure out what you want to do, you know, where you want to go. And make sure you go to the best place for you. Don't go somewhere just because you're so anxious to get out of Texas. You know what I mean? Go someplace where it's going to be beneficial for you, where you're going to have an opportunity to succeed. That's the only thing. Make sure you are in an opportunity. You have a situation where you have an opportunity to succeed. So we get back. We're going to go into this hurry up offense. There is a bunch of stuff I'm just going to hit and quit. Tell you all about real quick. Um, So stay with us. And we're going to give some flowers. And it's Black History Month. I'm going to tell you about someone in sports that I kind of just came upon. And I don't know how that's a thing, but I truly admire. So stay with us. We'll be right back. No one's ever come back from 3-1. Agonizing defeat. Down 5-1. We've all been underestimated and counted out. In those moments, we felt like it was over. It's not looking good for Rafa. But it's when we're given no chance that we somehow found that last bit of strength to keep fighting. And then we did what no one thought we could, not even ourselves. We came back from the impossible, from being broken. We found a way when it seemed hopeless. We came back when we should have been long forgotten. And we did it time and time again. Right now, we're fighting for something much bigger than a win or championship. But if we learn anything from sports, is that no matter how far down we may be, we are never too far down to come back. Here we are in this hurry up offense. Um, I'm excited for this one, though, because before we get into this hurry up offense, you know, we're going to do we're going to huddle up for a second um, because I need y'all to help me understand some things really quick. So um, for those of you who forgot, (laughs) I can't even say don't know. I feel like it's straight up forgot. Um, Jesse, I still don't know how to say that boy's name. Jesse, Jesse, whatever. Jesse Smollett, you know, he had that incident a, a while ago. Um, it's like, is it two years now? I don't know. It's a while ago that he had that incident where he claimed that he was beat up um, and that, you know, some people threw some racial slurs at him, some homophobic slurs at him, and they they put him in a noose and then, <laughs> Lord, forgive me for lying, laughing because that's just, that's terrible, but... They put him in a noose and then they, um, you know, tighten the noose or whatever. This was because he went to like a subway. Um, I think it was like at two o'clock in the morning. After the incident was over, he then walked to uh, the police station um, with with a noose <laughs> around his neck. Now, I will admit that when that this first came out, I was the first one to be like, he lying. Who? walks and leaves the noose around his neck 
Who who does that? Who does that? No, I, there's no way because I'd be scared that these crazy bastards is gonna come up on me, snatch me up by the noose, and I'm <laughs> back in some situations. It just don't sound like like something that a logical person would go through. Now I do understand because I I was in a situation recently um, where I didn't react the way that I thought I would react in a situation where where you know. I, I don't know. I just, I wasn't necessarily in an unsafe situation, but I was in a situation where I kind of, it was one of those things that I felt I knew how I would react in that situation and how I thought I would react versus how I re actually reacted to totally different things. So I'm not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility that this happened the way that he said that he actually didn't um, need a minute and had to take a minute and just was disoriented or, or whatever. I'm not saying that. But his brother basically is calling on investigative black journalists to step up and really do their due diligence. And he's saying that we have forsaken him. You know, as black people, we go out here, we, we sign petitions, we march, we advocate for any time there's any kind of police corruption, any kind of social injustice that happens to us. And he's basically saying we have neglected Jussie and that his brother is facing some serious time for creating this false um, narrative. And part of that is because MAGA was involved. Now he is saying that MAGA was not uttered by his brother and things of that nature. You know what? I'm just going to let you hear a quick part of what he said and, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about it. They claim he said the attackers were wearing MAGA hats. He never said that. And yet they've based their entire investigation on those ugly red MAGA hats. The detective who says he found the video of these brothers buying the red hat is none other than Detective Richard Hagen, who was sued by Laquan McDonald's family for covering up a Chicago police officer murdering the child after Laquan was shot 16 times. The city of Chicago had to pay $5 million to settle the lawsuit. The Osundero brothers were under 24-hour surveillance and security until CPD took them to testify at the grand jury on February 20th, 2019, where they were held with no food or water for 47 hours, and they finally broke and told the truth? Sure. The very same video of them buying the red hats was leaked to the media and broadcast widely, causing, causing a stir. And then the next day, Jesse was indicted on 16 counts by the CPD. Most of us remember that day and remember the Eddie Johnson being publicly on TV, convicting my brother, holding a press conference to say how ashamed he was of a black man playing the race card. So, OK, that, that the video, that's just a little bit of it. But the video, you can find it on his Instagram um, if you if you want to check it out. It's about a seven minute long video. And that's from um, Jesse's brother, Jake. So he raises, and he, he, like I said, he's basically calling out black people, specifically investigative black journalists, because he just doesn't feel like we, he feels like all of a sudden a group of people who don't believe anything the police say, me being one of them, um, and all of a sudden we just turn their, our backs and we just believe the police and we are overlooking the fact that Donald Trump basically used this to say, oh, look, black people be making stuff up, which he did. We all remember that. Um, but I just don't know. So this I, I only brought that up because I'm really just going to pose this question to you guys. Did we did we did we do Jesse Jesse, whatever? Did we do him a, a disservice? 
Did we just automatically, for whatever reason, whatever bias we have or for the ridiculous nature of the story or because it was what I thought, like, why? there's no way in hell I would walk with a noose. Did you kind? Did we kind of say, that's not what I would have done? He also says that there's no way his brother would be dumb enough to pay these people via a check. He says there's text messages to prove um, that it was all about fitness. He also says there is a video and two eyewitnesses to this attack, which I've never seen. And he says that the police covered up. So that's my question. Did we just, for whatever reason, for whatever we felt about Jesse, did we just write him off because of our own bias? Or does this just sound ridiculous, <laughs> which is where I was leaning. But I'm just going to ask you guys that. I need to know. I need to know where we are with this. But now let's get into this hurry up offense because we got a lot. I know y'all saw that girl. First of all, sweetheart, I thought you was like 50. But we saw courtside Karen take off on LeBron James. And when I tell you that Heffa is milking her 15 minute of, of fame, she is everywhere. She posted about a good, I don't know, it had to be at least an hour, maybe two hours going on and on and on and on about what happened courtside. And she cussed LeBron out and she, she about five foot nothing talking about she would F LeBron up. I loved how LeBron laughed at it. The whole situation told her husband to sit his steroid ass down. I love that whole thing. It was fun. It was also fun to see on social media. All of the Lakers came to LeBron's defense. It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, real quick. Want to talk about the all-star game, the NBA is talking about starting or starting having the um, all-star game on March 7th. It's, I don't understand why we're doing this. And everybody keeps talking about this second wave. I think we're in the middle of the second wave. I saw, I read something the other day that says, Hey, there's a new double mutant. I know we just had this mutant strain of Corona hit here in LA. Um, I know they had it in Denver when I was home. Um, or, or, the Christmas holiday. So they got it too. And, um, but now there's apparently a, a mutant mutant. That's, that's obviously not what it's called. I don't know the scientific term, but it's a double mutant <laughs> strand that's coming. And you want to have the all-star game on March 7th. Ironically, we went into lockdown on March 11th. That was when Rudy Gobert tested positive and, and Mark Cuban went out and told the ref like, yo, I think we got to shut things down and everything. That was literally March 11th. Now, with all this information, you want to have this all-star game. As a fan who actually loves the all-star game, I get it because, I mean, damn, it, it would suck, you know? But I just don't know. I mean, you could still do the skills challenge. You could still do the skills challenge virtually. Y'all could set up gyms in, in different cities. Just make sure you got good Wi-Fi. Y'all could literally do that. So uh, NBA, y'all definitely need to do better on that because there's no way we should be having – an all-star game. I just don't think that got to give a, a shout out really quick to, um, Robert Kraft and the Patriots. I know a lot of teams are sending, um, healthcare workers, vaccinated healthcare workers to the Super Bowl, but Robert Kraft is sending them on a team plane. He's sending the, the workers there, the vaccinated workers, healthcare workers. He's sending them on the Patriots team plane, which I think is dope. That's also the team plane that he sent to China to get masks when um, healthcare workers in Boston were running low on masks. So say what you want about Robert Kraft and that family, but they are doing the damn thing. Don't understand why vaccinated healthcare workers are going and normal citizens who have are not necessarily vaccinated are going and they're just getting a, a 
COVID kit when they walk in, which includes a mask and a face shield, and they have to wear a mask at all times. But I know those of us who've been out in the world, that whole mask at all times thing, that's made up. It's not people take their phones down to, or their, their mask down to use their phone with the face ID. They take their mask down to, to talk on the phone. That That's not a real thing. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know how that one's going to work. Um, but also I really quickly, um, Stephen A. Smith said some stuff where he says he doesn't like to see women fighting women in the octagon. People got up in arms about that one. Didn't bother me. Um, not, it's not sexist to me for a man to say he doesn't like to see a woman get beat up. <laughs> I get what people were saying, why they were all up in arms about that. Like, you know, yo, he shouldn't have said that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, it just didn't bother me the way that it bothered everybody else. I get it. You know, um, I can't say I love watching UFC. Y'all know I watch it all the time. I'm proud of the women that are in the UFC now because I've been watching. I mean, I saw, I can't even remember who the very first fight was, but I watched the very first, you know, girl fight in the UFC and it was trash. It was horrible. These women have come so far. I'm at the point now where the women fights be better than the main event. So shout out to them. That being said, not sure if I would want to see my daughter in the octagon and her face coming out, looking like some of these women's faces be coming out. So I am not mad at all at Stephen A. Smith for having, you know, that perspective on that situation. But really quickly, let me give some flowers really quickly to Miss Candace Parker. Candace Parker, you guys, first of all, let me backtrack. The WNBA had the biggest increase in viewership of all sports across the board. So I know a lot of you guys say, oh, you know, when they do their social justice, it's messing up. Uh, the viewership lies, lies. It went, it went up so a lot for the WNBA had the most increased viewership. Um, the NHL, which didn't do a damn thing for social justice there, they had the biggest decrease in viewership. So stop telling yourselves them lies. They don't mean anything. But with that, I love the LA sparks. I, I, and again, I have to shout out Kobe really quick. I saw him when I think it was like literally the day before he passed on the sideline with that orange, um, uh, WNBA shirt. I was like, well, that's fly. And then that kind of got me more. I mean, I was into the WNBA just in general, but with the social justice movement that they did, that those women did across that league with Kobe, it was a lot. And then Candace Parker has been somebody I have been dying. She is the main reason that I have been trying. I've been doing everything possible to get a press pass to the LA spark. She is one of those athletes that I, she's the first person I want to interview outside of LeBron James when I get my press pass. And she's gone now though, y'all. She is, she's gone to the Chicago sky. She signed the, the two-year veteran max deal over there. Um, and 13 years in the league, she gave this long, long, um, text message or text message, this tweet saying, thank you to LA. We literally saw Candace Parker grow up for her to be here for 13 years where she's playing now, though she's from Chicago. So she gets to go back home. Um, there's a lot of speculation on to why she did or did not do that. Um, a lot of people said that there was probably some um, turmoil that we don't really know that hasn't really come out yet with the LA Sparks. I don't know. I just know that if she wants to retire at home, the fact that she is going back to the Chicago sky, 
I think that's super dope. So I just wanted to shout her out and give her some flowers on that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I do want y'all know it's Black History Month. So I want to shout out some some people in Black History. We're not going to just shout out people in Black History and sports, but today we are because I don't think that we, sometimes we just don't pay enough homage to the people that came before us and really kind of helped us get to where we're going. I know a lot of people, we know like the Arthur Ashe and things of that nature, but there is um, Althea Gibson who... I don't, I'm, I don't know why I'm just learning about her, but I wanted to share her with you guys as well. But she, you know, obviously before Venus and Serena, she dominated the tennis court. Um, she was the first black woman to compete um, in, on the world tour, on the world tennis tour. And she was the first to win a Grand Slam. And that was in 1956. Y'all got to let that sink in. 1956. You know how bad that time was for black people just in general. Um she obviously the sport was predominantly black. I don't even. It, I mean, now it's predominantly black. So, I, I, or predominantly black. It was predominantly white back then. So she was. I think she might have been the only one. But so she dominated, and that that is an amazing thing for her to dominate and just excel because you know, athletes at that time the just they were just berated over and over and over again, and the you know the racial slurs and things of that nature didn't matter to her though because she went out there. And in total, she racked up six Grand Sam single titles. And after her retirement, she went on to become the New Jersey State Commissioner of Athletics before taking the position on the Governor's Council for Physical Fitness. I think that's super dope. Lady was out there doing her thing. And I think, let's not forget, though, guys, as black people, we still got a long, long, long way to go. And we need to continue. There's so many firsts. Like, when you think about it, Beyonce was the first to headline Coachella. That's crazy. So we still got a lot of firsts that we got to do. Um, I know Kamala is the first person of color, um, biracial background to be the vice president. I, I still want to chalk the sister in there though. And I, I'm not, I, I know some people get mad at me when I say that, but I want, I want a, a black as hell sister in there one day as president. So we still got a lot of firsts to do. So chase your dreams out there, y'all be the first and set the, set the road for those that are coming up after you. I think it's a beautiful thing when we do that. But you guys, that's my time. Thank you so much for listening to me right here on Backstage. If you're not hearing me on Backstage and you're listening to me on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, thank you so much. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Jerry the Fanatic. Make sure you check me out Monday through Friday on The Fumble at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And check me out on Dash Radio with Nick Hamilton for the opposite reaction on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. In the meantime, you guys, be good to each other. Be safe. Wear your mask. Love each other. And I will see you next week.